everybody. I just want to say welcome to Harvest. My name is Trey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And if you're a first-time guest, I just want to say welcome. Um, we are glad to have you. And if you consider this your church home, it is good to see you again. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I know that um, for me uh, specifically, if I were to stand on a scale, it would be a larger number than um, last Sunday, and maybe you feel the same way as well. Um, but uh, we ate a lot of food. We had a lot of good time with family, um, and I hope that you did the same. Now, last week I asked the question, how many of you have already put up your Christmas trees, your Christmas decorations, and everything like that? Now it is after Thanksgiving, so all of the Grinches and everybody who are only Christmas people after Thanksgiving— now you can decorate. Now Mariah Carey and Michael Bublé can defrost, and um, they're already being played in um, shopping centers and in elevators and stuff like that. Um, and uh, the Hallmark movies are on, um, the same movie in 200 different ways. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you are a Hallmark fan, but I know my mom and my grandmother at Thanksgiving cannot stop talking about the new releases that are coming out. And I stood there, I was like, can I just describe to you what the plot's going to be? And they're like, we already know what the plot's going to be, stop, we just want to enjoy ourselves enough. I'm like, alright, sounds good. Uh, but all these different things, it's, it's a festive time of year. Uh, it's a fun time of year. Um, in Florida, we don't have snows, so maybe you walk into a store and they're doing the bubbles. Um, that feels like snow, and you're like, oh, this is so festive and great. Uh, I, I don't I don't know, and you know maybe you have family traditions. Maybe you've already booked your flights. You already know what your travel schedule is going to look like. Um, but it is the Christmas season. It is here. It came really fast, but it is here. And maybe you drive by signs, or maybe you see it. Um, people have this phrase out in their front lawns with lights, or maybe you've just heard this phrase that. Uh, the Christmas season. Jesus is the reason for the season. And maybe you've heard that, maybe you've read that, and maybe it's kind of this, um, you know, you've been in church long enough, it's kind of the Bible glaze of like, yes, I know what that phrase is, I know what it means, like, I just want to find good Black Friday deals, right? Like Cyber Monday, Small Business Saturday, like, I, I'm just trying to find uh, something like Jesus reason for the season. Sure, great, amen, good for you for having that sign in your life. Like, oh, let's just get on with it. But I think that there is a powerful reason that Jesus, or I think there's a powerful moment that we over, we, we miss sometimes when we just slide past that phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. In fact, what Christmas actually represents and how it, it, it changes everything. Christmas is more than songs, decorations, presents, family, etc. Like I could go off on what the Grinch listed. It's more than all of that. It's something that completely flipped the world upside down. How many of you have ever prayed this prayer before by a raise of hands? God be with me. God be with us. God, please be with me now. Anybody ever prayed a prayer similar to something like that? Okay, majority of hands in the room, head nods, yes. Okay, awesome. There was, um, I, I was a senior in high school. I went to, I never watched scary movies. I am so against scary movies. Um, I just, I can't, number one, I just can't handle it, right? I, I scare and frighten easily. And so, but uh, my friend group at the time said, hey, we're going to go watch this brand new scary movie. Um, it's supposed to be like super scary. I'm not sure. Whatever. So 
we go to the midnight premiere um, and where our movie theater was in Jack. I'm from Jacksonville. Shout out. I, uh, I, I Jagu- Jaguars are playing the Ravens today. Not a big deal, but I am praying for them. So if you would just join me in prayer. I, I went to this movie theater in Jacksonville, and it was in a shady part of town. And um, we go to this theater. We go to the midnight premiere, and I'm watching this movie. And I'm throughout the whole movie, I'm doing like one of these things where like I'm not looking at the screen, but I want to know what's happening. Um, and so I don't think I saw enough to be scared. Well, I get home that night. The lights go turn off in my bedroom, and I'm just laying there, and I just have this panic attack that, like, something's in the room with me. And I just I start to, like, have panic attacks. I start to freak out. I, I start to, like, wonder, like, what is going to happen. And so I pray this prayer, right? God, be with me. God, be with me. Be with us. Maybe you've prayed a prayer like that before whenever you've been scared, whenever you've been fearful. God, be with me. God, be with me. Maybe you've said that prayer when you're driving and your kids are driving you crazy in the back seat and they're not watching the movie that you put on for them. In fact, you have been hit in the head, back of the head by five Oreos five hour, like five minutes into the road trip and you're like, God, be with me so I don't pull over and kill my kids right now, right? Or maybe uh, you're praying like, hey, God, be with me as I go to the outlets. Like, be with me as I look for a parking spot in Jesus' name, right? Or maybe you're going on a blind date with a person and you pray he's not a murderer. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe be with me as I take my final exam. Be with me uh, as I do this. Be with me as I do that. You know, like this prayer, God, be with me. Well, why, why do we pray prayers like that? Like, when you think about it, like, why do we pray prayers, God, be with me, God, be with us? Is it out of a thought that, you know, maybe God currently isn't? Is it out of a thought that, you know, maybe he has left us, abandoned us? Like, I don't know. what. Why do you think we pray prayers like that? You know, we pray and we worship sometimes as if we think we're trying to get God's attention. You know, you ever seen somebody who they prayed or they worshiped in such a specific way? Or maybe you've seen their walk with God and you're like, man, that person, God's with them. And I don't really know if he's with me. So we start to mimic these people. And our soul desperately craves in times of struggle this truth that, God, would you be with us? Would you be with us? There's a term called, and it's a theological term, omnipresence which describes God, and it means God is everywhere. So if God is everywhere, if there is this biblical truth, God is everywhere, he is omnipresent, right? Then why do we pray prayers, God, be with us? Why do we ask for God to be with us? We're going to be in the book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 1, and and the book of Matthew, the author name is Matthew, and he's writing this, this narrative, this story of Jesus, so that one day people can... Um, read linear his life and and find and and see the stories of who he is and this proclamation of who jesus claimed to be and so who is the audience that um that uh uh matthew was writing to i I think we don't need to overlook and and uh, shorten the context of of this but who matthew i'm going to grab this microphone really quickly if that's okay (laughs) 
Check. Is that better? Somewhat better? Okay. Awesome. I'm just going to leave this right there. So here's who Matthew is writing to. He's writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. He's writing to people that understand customs and traditions. They understood that God is holy, and so much so that you could not even stand in his presence. There's a story of Moses when Moses was on Mount Sinai. He had to shudder away because he could not handle the full presence of God. And they experienced that when God dwelled in the tabernacle in the temple, that nobody was allowed inside except the high priest once a year. And there were certain rules and customs and traditions that if the high priest didn't do fully, the high priest would die the second he entered into the Holy of Holies. So they had this understanding that to be in the presence of God was this crazy idea that none of them actually believed would ever be true for them. They had this, they had this, they understood the laws and the customs. They heard the stories and they knew that not a single man, human being could handle the presence, the full presence of God. And they all understood this and lived like this on a regular basis. And all of a sudden, the book of Matthew comes along. The story comes along. The Christmas story comes along. And in Matthew's chapter, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, if you know the Christmas story, here's what happens. This angel appears to Mary and tells Mary, this is what's going to happen. This is, this is what's going to happen. And we get to Matthew 1, 21 through 23, and this is what's going to happen. This is the angel, and he says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 23, I think a lot of times gets overlooked. It's actually a quote from the Old Testament. It says, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is to fulfill what the prophet had spoken, which means uh, you shall call his name Emmanuel. So verse 23 is a quote. <clears throat> and here's where the quote is from. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 7, chapter 7, verse 14, God's people, the Israelites, were being attacked constantly. And there was no end in sight to this ongoing warfare. And eventually King Ahaz looks at God and, and looks at and, and says this prayer, God, when are we going to see a victory? Like, when am I going to win over this thing? Like, give me a sign. And so God sends the prophet Isaiah, and this is what Isaiah says to King Ahaz. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The virgin shall call or the virgin, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It's Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And what you need to know on the, based on the context of everything we just read is that no matter what you are facing, you are not facing it alone. You are facing it, you are not facing it by yourself. And my goal by the end of this series and by the end of this message is that you are so convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was, is, and will be 
with you. Emmanuel. What we just sang about. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come and rescue Israel. God is with us. When I talked about earlier the presence of God entering into the room, they understood they couldn't handle it. And then Matthew writes this letter, this narrative. God is with us. He is with us. Jesus, this baby that was on its way, is God. Not just another baby, you know, not just another person. No, his name is Emmanuel. It is God. When you look at the books of the Old Testament, and you see the names of God in the Old Testament, the Israelites would have a very common knowledge of who God is and the many names they have for him. And the declarations that Jesus makes in the New Testament, you have to believe that Jesus is God. In the Old Testament, the Israelites referred to to God as Elohim, which means creator God. In the New Testament, in the book of John, it says everything was created by Christ Jesus. In the Old Testament, they refer to God as Jehovah, which literally means I am. In the New Testament, they say, before Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. In the Old Testament, they refer to God as Adonai, which means the boss. In the New Testament, it says, we must confess Jesus as Lord. In the Old Testament, they said Jehovah Nissi, which means your banner of victory. In the New Testament, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. In the Old Testament, they refer to God as Jehovah Roha, which means the Lord is my shepherd. In the New Testament, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. In the Old Testament, they would say Jehovah Sabbath, which means Lord of hosts. In the New Testament, Jesus says, I could have called 10,000 angels down by my side. In the Old Testament, they refer to God as El Elyon, which means the Lord Most High. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus says, I sit on the right hand of the Father Most High. In the Old Testament, they said El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. In the New Testament, Revelation says Jesus Christ is Lord Almighty. So if you ever need a reminder about who, or if you ever need a reminder about who is with us, remember this name, Emmanuel, which means everything we just read, that God is with us. God is with us. The whole Old Testament is about us trying to get to God. But the New Testament, it relieves this tension. You see, re- religion and, and, and these rules and customs, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's about earning and striving and trying to make our way to get God to come to us. But here's the truth. No amount of prayers and worship could get you or get God closer to you. Because here's the truth. Religion is us trying to get to God. The gospel, the Christmas season, is that God came to us. And that is Christmas. God came came to us to rescue us. And when God steps on the scene, things change. I, um, I turned... Uh, for when I was in college, I had a birthday, and um, I had a couple of my friends over, and they were, um, you know, when you're in college, like, what kind of gifts can you give, right? Like, hey, dude, here, I'll pay for the next, like, McDouble you get at McDonald's, right? That's about all I can afford. But I had one of my friends who their dad um, 
bought their whole family Justin Bieber tickets. They were he was coming to Jackson, so um, they he bought them Justin Bieber tickets. Well, uh, my friend asked him if he could buy one more, and so I said, "Man, what do you got for me for my birthday?" You know, kind of joking. He goes, "I got a you Justin Bieber ticket." I was like, "No, you don't." He's like, no, dude, straight up I do. I was like, dude, we're in college. Why are we going to this Justin Bieber concert? He goes, how much fun would that be, though? I'm like, all right. So it's me, him, and his brother all in the upper bowl. The dad and the daughter are on the floor, right? So, like, they're living their best lives. Me and um, my friend and his brother are all on the upper deck, you know, all in our 20s, kind of with our arms crossed. This kid... Justin, you know, he's a kid, right? Like, this, this guy, Justin, shows up 30 minutes late to his own concert, and we're just like, oh, my gosh. And then the countdown starts from, like, 10 minutes, and you just hear, <sighs> like, just, you know, 15,000 teenage girls just start to roar, right? And then it gets to five, four, three, two, and then everything just goes black people are losing their ever-loving minds. And then, in this glass box, this joker starts to rise up from the ceiling, or sorry, from the floor, and he starts to sing his song, Purpose. And I remember just, I was standing up, and the whole crowd was standing, and I just remember going, yo, it's pretty cool. <laughs> like, and then, the next song he went to, the most famous song, was Baby by Justin Bieber. And you have never seen three 20-year-old boys lose their minds like we did. I mean, we were jumping. We did the ludicrous rap part. Like, we were all in at this moment, right? And what, what struck me by the end of it is, like, when Justin was on stage, the whole arena was, like, jumping. It was wild. The second he left, it was like, huh. all right? And we all just left. But there was something that got even like us 20, like three 20 year old guys, when he entered into the room, we were like, this is a bigger than life person. We're all screaming his name. We're like losing our minds. Like he went on this thing that went around the stadium and I would try to like, Justin, can you see me? No, I didn't. But I was, we were all in. There was something that happened when he entered into the room. He entered into the scene that the entire arena, 15,000 people, there was a switch and energy, there was a switch in the vibe of the place. Everything changed. And I want to let you know, as silly of a story as that is, that when Jesus steps onto the scene, and whatever scene he steps onto, the, the scene does not change Jesus. Jesus changes the scene. And so when God steps onto the scene as Emmanuel, God with us, everything changed. Everything. And I want to take the rest of our time this morning to kind of break down what I, what I mean by that. So uh, in, in Luke, chapter 1, verses, Luke chapter 1, verse 28, it says this. And he, this is another rendition of the story of Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And I want to let you know this morning that God is with you. God is with you. You may not believe it, you may not feel it, you may not even understand it, but I want to let you know that God is with you. Like we read in Isaiah, and like we read in Luke and in Matthew, God is with us in our difficulties. He is an ever-present help. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it tells us that He is our comforter. 
And here's the thing. When you understand that the God of the universe, the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God, that that God is with you, that changes everything. Let me give you an example. When you are lost and don't know where to go, He is with you as your guide. When you're hurting and feel alone, He is with you as your friend. When you're in the middle, when you're in the middle of a trial, our God, our God is with you as a comforter. If you're ever sick, our God is with you as a healer. When you're weak, our God is with you as your strength. Anytime you're lost in sin, our God is with you as a Savior. All the names in the Old Testament, how they knew God, is the God that was coming to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with you. Number two, God was with you. God was with you. Sometimes it's easier to see the hand of God looking back than it is in the moment, right? But if you were to look back in your life, good and bad, I'm sure we could all see the hand of God in our lives. This past Thanksgiving, we were at my, um, my grandmother's house, who's my mom's mom. And um, we found out a couple months ago, she's been battling cancer for a while. Um, and... Uh, it is, it is an uphill fight. And there was a lot of kind of pressure on this Thanksgiving of, is this going to be her last Thanksgiving? We don't know. And my entire family was there, and at the end of our time together, my grandmother just kind of gathered us all around, about 30 of us, and just sat in a chair and just looked at us and just said, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for our family. I'm thankful. And I'm looking at this woman who is fighting death. And she could have, in all honesty, got up there and said, guys, this year has been terrible, awful, and I don't know what to do anymore. But instead, this, this woman, who has been the cornerstone for our family, all she could talk about was the faithfulness of God. And that doesn't happen just by her mustering up the courage to say it. It happens because she knows who's with her. And she knows who's been with her since the beginning. And she knows when she passes from this earth who will be with her family. And it just struck me of like, this woman walks with God and understood that God is with her. God has been with her. And here's the th third part of this. God will be with you. God is with you has been with you, and will be with you. In Matthew 28, verse 20, it says this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear be, or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who, who, is, who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Romans 8 says, who shall separate you from God? No matter where you go, God was, is, and will be with you. Whether you believe it or not, He is, was, and will be with you. In fact, He's been with humanity since the beginning of time. We read in the book of Genesis that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes on to say in Genesis chapter 1, and his spirit hovered over the waters. He walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the garden. God was with them. 
The challenge, though, is that even though God has been with us since the beginning, you and I, because of our sin, chose to leave him. But again, here's the cool part. God has never left us. As you look throughout the Bible, you see story after story after story of God being with us. In 2 Kings, there's a prophet named Elisha, and he's with his servant in this small town, and this king is mad at Elisha for proclaiming that one day Israel would be free from this nation. So this king sends a massive army to surround the, the city Elisha's in, and Elisha's servant comes running up to him, and he says, Elisha, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? And Elisha prayed, God, open the eyes of my servant. And so the eyes of the servant are open, and he looks around, and he sees that there's an army of angels surrounding the enemy. And they ended up defeating the enemy. Or there's another story where a king has not one but two armies coming to destroy this man. And, and God prays, what do I do? And God says to send his, his musicians and worshipers ahead and worship me, singing, Give praise to the Lord, for his love endures forever. The king and his armies didn't have to lift a sword because they won the battle with that one song. Or in Joshua, where Joshua asked God, God, we're fighting this battle and the sun is going down and we can't see, but we need to finish this fight. Will you keep the sun still? Will you prolong the day so that way we can see our enemy and defeat the enemy to finish your work? And God does it. Or there's another story of three individuals who are told to bow to idols and they refused because they only bowed to one God and his name is Jesus. And the king threw them into the furnace because of their faith. But when the king looked in the fire and in the furnace, he saw four individuals, not one. Why? Because God was with them. Or in Daniel, when the king told him he couldn't pray, but he did anyways and got thrown into a pit of lions. And the king of his men came back the next morning and saw that God had spared the life of Daniel by shutting the mouths of the lying and being with Daniel. God was with him. But perhaps maybe the greatest story of all was the day that God stepped down from heaven as Savior to the world. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He wasn't born into a palace. He was born into a manger. And as Jesus grew older, he, 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 he gave the ability for the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame walk, and those who were sick to be healed. And when the time had come, he, he gave his life for us on the cross, and three days later, he rose. And he's alive today. And I believe that the same God of power who's been around since the beginning of time has been with you, is with you, and, be, and will be with you. He's with you in, your, in this room. He's with you in your family, in your marriage, in your homes, and in your schools, and in your workplaces. And I believe that no matter what we face, we should be encouraged that the alive God of heaven is with us. These truths should radically change our lives. This belief of God being with us. So I want to ask this question this morning. If you really think about everything we've talked about, who actually came? And that he has been with humanity. Humanity's just left him, but he never abandoned us. The God who was with you in your past, is with you in your present, and will be with you in your future. I want to pose this question that I genuinely want you to, 
to think about how differently would you live your life if you knew that God was with you? How differently would your life look like? How different would your life look like if you knew that God was with you? If you saw him riding shotgun as you were driving, as he walks with you when you're at the store, that he's sitting on the bed with you as you weep, that when you're scared, he's there, how differently would you go about life? How differently would your life look if you lived as if God actually was with you? Well, let me affirm this morning that he is with you. He's with you in this moment. He's with you when you leave. That the God of the universe, all the names of the Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament where we see the spectacular happen, the God of the New Testament who does the miraculous, he's with you. He has been with you, and he will be with you. He will be with you. So what do we do with this? I can't answer that question for you. But my question to you is this. How differently would you live your life if you knew that God was with you?